0: Hey guys, Jason with Spectrum Labs. Have a really cool episode coming up. A bit of a short one but packed with a lot of really good information and before we get to the episode just a couple of quick asks uh, one is it seems like a lot of a lot more people have been enjoying the podcast and really exciting great to see that our information is getting out there and people are enjoying it but if you could please wherever you listen whether it's Apple podcasts whether it's Google Play Spotify wherever it is if you can just take one minute leave a rating and review that would be spectacular uh, Two. If there's anything in particular that you'd like to know, if you have any burning questions about cannabis or hemp and you haven't figured out or you can't, haven't been able to find a reliable answer, uh, shoot me an email, let me know. I'd love to use that as an excuse to search into interesting topics. There's so much that we still have to learn about the industry. So uh, you can email me at jason at thespectrumlabs.com and let me know what your burning questions are regarding hemp and um, so on related note i use this podcast as an excuse for me to understand things that i don't totally comprehend about the industry so uh, in this particular episode i speak with nick uh, jacombs i believe is how you pronounce his name sorry nick if i totally butchered your name he is the director of science and innovation at leafly i became really interested by this company who is doing some really interesting things as far as putting information out there to the public about cannabis, uh, about the differences between one strain compared to another, the terpene profile, which is, has come a long way from what the industry has been used to, which is here's uh, sativa, here's indica, and here's what that means. So that's not very relevant anymore. We have a lot more data. And so Leafly seems to be at the forefront of Uh, giving consumers the information about what each strain contains and the possible effects and the chemical composition of each of these different strains so really fascinating so we have a good conversation about how Nick who's a neuroscientist uh, how he thinks about cannabis I love talking to advocates I also love talking to people like Nick who is a scientist he loves To understand data objectivity and what these things mean and thinking into the future about how we can use this data um, along with with uh, anecdotal evidence about how we can use it to the maximum effect and how we can discover more important information about cannabis and hemp so anyway good conversation all around so I hope that you guys get some really good benefit out of it so listen share and here is Nick Jacobs. All right, Nick, uh, thank you for joining me so much on the hemp startup journey today. Hope you're having an awesome day so far.
1: I am. Thank you for uh, having me, Jason.
0: Yeah. Um, So I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, for a little while. I've known about Leafly uh, for a little bit. Sounds like you guys do some really good work, uh, but I think you specifically are doing some really, really interesting things. Uh, But before we get into that, I always like to give context uh, to the listeners about who I'm talking with. Uh, I always like to humanize a person, right? Like you yourself, you're a person. You're not just, you know... um, a, a company or a machine. So um, we'll start talking about a couple of things there quickly. When you're at whatever it is, I don't know, a party or or a networking event, and somebody says, "Hey, Nick, nice to meet you." Uh, what do you do? What's your response to that?
1: I often say I work in the legal cannabis or the legal marijuana industry. Um, depending on where I'm at, people. People are usually very excited and interested to hear that no matter where they are. Um, I often say legal cannabis industry before I say Leafly, um, just in case someone's not familiar with the cannabis industry, although many, many people, both in the industry and outside the industry, actually do know Leafly and do love Leafly. So oftentimes, you know, even a stranger will, will recognize Leafly when I mention it. Sometimes, depending on where I'm at, um, like if I go home to visit my parents, for example, um, I'll say the marijuana industry just because even oh, the yeah. word cannabis is unfamiliar to some people, right. um, but no matter where I'm at, no matter what type of person I'm talking to, people get really excited that someone so they're talking to someone from the legal cannabis or legal marijuana industry. It's a very exciting area. It's a very intriguing area. And I think people get doubly excited by the fact that someone out of academia like me actually went into the cannabis industry and people are always always pretty intrigued by that.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, when we were first opening up, um, our, our, extraction company and we were interviewing people, uh, there were some folks from the, the, whether it was medical or the, the scientific world who were really hesitant to be associated with anything related to cannabis. Did you ever get that from like schoolmates or family or anything like that?
1: Uh, A little bit, yes, but mostly no. Um, No? So when I came into the industry, it was 2016. It was the summer of 2016 when I decided and, and actually left academia after I finished my PhD instead of going on to do a postdoc, I decided to go into industry. I decided to go to Leafly and go into the cannabis industry in particular. And at the time I made that decision, I was pretty nervous about how people would react. I was nervous about how some of my my colleagues and friends in academia would react because I was not staying in academia. I was a little bit nervous about how family uh, might react to going into the legal cannabis industry which was at that time extremely new it's still mm-hmm. new and it's still it's still growing but at that time it was very new but actually the response i tended to get from most people was excitement and intrigue uh, even people you know even family members that i that that i would see you know at a christmas party once a year and i had no idea what their thoughts or their relationship to cannabis was uh, i was pleasantly surprised to see that they were They were very much excited to hear that I was going in that direction. Um, And it was very positive overall. Um, And it was an exciting change, even though I was a little bit nervous at first. Hmm. Um, I think, you know, in academia, there's a strong push to, you know, oftentimes there's a lot of pressure to stay in academia. So there was a little bit of uh, I did have a couple people. React in a very curious way to why I would be going into the marijuana industry and be going to a private company. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, at the time that I left and certainly since then, it's become much, much more common for people with my background, which is in neuroscience, you know, anyone with a quantitative background or a science background to actually not go into academia and start going into industry and in particular into data science.
0: Gotcha. Okay, good. So no, no broken relationships or anything like that because you went to
1: cannabis. That's no, cannabis. absolutely not. In fact, you know, at this point, you know, the, the, one of the newer things that is starting to come onto my plate is I have quite a few people that I used to work with or used to know while I was doing research in academia, asking me, how did you make the transition? What advice can you give me? Um, mm-hmm. as I try to make a transition out of academia, that's actually, that's actually the most common conversation I have at this point.
0: That's cool, that's cool. Um, so th- another question for context here. So what, uh, what is, can you explain what neuroscience is and what do you do, or what does a neuroscientist do, do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I spent about five years working on a PhD in systems neuroscience. And before that I did a bachelor's degree in both genetics and neuroscience at the University of Wisconsin. So I did my undergraduate studies in, in, in the biological sciences. And then I went to Harvard University and worked at Harvard Medical School for my PhD for another five years. And when you go to graduate school to do research at a PhD level, it's very different from school as most people would think about it. So in the first year, you're taking some classes um, and you're spending about half of your time doing coursework and learning from professors and learning from textbooks. But the other half of your time you're rotating between laboratories and actually doing hands-on basic research or applied research in those laboratories, and then after your first year, that is all you do. It's a 100% full-time job to do research um, as part of a program like that. So what I was doing, you know, 99% of the time was I was going to the lab every day. I was designing and running experiments. I was analyzing data and crunching the numbers, and I was thinking about um, very, very big problems in neuroscience. In particular, I was understanding or attempting to understand the neuroscience of motivation. How is it that an animal's brain can be wired up to actually create motivations? In particular, I was looking at feeding behavior and the hunger drive. So what is it about the brain and about the structure of the brain that allows an animal to get hungry, to learn how to respond to its environment in order to satisfy that basic need? And how do the instinctual parts of the brain connect to the learning and memory parts of the brain in order to achieve that? So thinking about the networks and circuits in the brain that allow an animal to learn and behave in an intelligent way based on its instincts and based on what it learns. And and that's it in a nutshell.
0: Mm-hmm. And does that, I would imagine that has a lot of carryover to what you do now um, with cannabis. Is, that, is there a lot of carryover there?
1: There actually, there actually was a lot of cano carryover from my, my life in the lab as a PhD student to my life at a at a startup in the campus industry at multiple levels, and this is something I didn't actually recognize until after I made the jump. So you know, working working in a lab as a PhD student or as a postdoc is actually very much like working at a startup in many ways. Uh, labs, you know, labs in academia. Are basically startups themselves. They're usually they're, they're almost like small little companies in, a, in their own kind of way. You're not trying to deliver value to shareholders. You're not trying to increase your profit margins, but you are trying to raise money to do research to answer either basic fundamental problems in, in basic science or to uh, figure out uh, applied questions that are relevant in the clinical world. And it's it's fun. It's exciting. Um, it's a lot of work. You have to think on your feet. You're, you're dealing with problems that, that are literally unsolved that no one's ever had to deal with before. Um, you have to learn new things. You have to wear a lot of hats. You have to have a lot of skills and you have to be highly adaptable. And those are things you need to be successful in the lab environment. And they are things you need to be successful in the startup environment. So there was a lot of carryover in that sense. And then of course, what I was studying as a neuroscientist was not cannabis, But a lot of the things that I was studying in terms of how the brain responds to the world and a lot of the skills I was building in terms of the analytical and and data science techniques and skill sets that I was learning actually do translate into my role at Leafly and into the startup world in a very big way.
0: Got it. Okay. So let's talk about Leafly. And uh, one of the reasons that I started to learn a little bit about, about your company is because of the, the cannabis guide that you guys released. Uh, when did you release that? We released the, that we were,
1: last October.
0: Last October. Right. So I just started poring over that. And uh, one of the reasons for me was just we were we have a hemp extraction company in Asheville, North Carolina, and so we were doing the sort of the usual things of uh, you know tinctures and um, keeping things safe and all that. But then I started learning more about terpenes and then the role of terpenes and uh, cannabinoids and all these things that um, are just super interesting in combination. Uh, when I first got into the business, I all I heard about from the for the cannabis side was indica and sativa, and now I, I don't. I don't really think about that so much. And you guys write a lot about that. Um, But just to start this conversation, what was the catalyst for this new cannabis guide? Because it it seems like it was, I didn't see the previous version, but it seems like it was pretty different uh, from your previous or 1.0 version.
1: Yes. And that's a good way of of putting it. You know, the 1.0 version, which is what Leafly started with 10 years ago, is based on the traditional cultural knowledge in the cannabis industry and in the cannabis space that really we inherited from an era of prohibition, an era where you did not have access to real research and real data that allows you to understand cannabis and understand the plant and the products at the level that you really need to understand them. And that's the level you want to understand these things is from the inside out. And so I knew coming in, that if we could partner with the right people and if we could get the right data to understand the cannabis at the level of chemistry, to understand the inside of cannabis and, and understand it from there, that would be a powerful new way to be able to do all the things that everybody's trying to do in the space. And all of it centers around the ability to understand and predict the types of feelings and the types of effects that a cannabis consumer is going to get in response to a particular product consumed in a particular way. The more that we can help consumers understand that for themselves, the more successful we're going to be as a company. Um, And that's true for Leafly. um, That's true for producers actually making consumable products. That's true for almost anyone in the space. That's That's sort of the underlying fundamental problem of the industry. And it's really hard. And part of the reason it's been so hard has to do with a few different things. One, historically, most people, most of the time, whether it's a consumer or a company or anyone has not had access to real objective, verifiable data that tells you about the chemical formulation of these products and how they're affecting people. The other thing that makes it super difficult is that everybody responds to cannabis in a different way. When we talk about the effects that cannabis has, especially the psychoactive effects, we're talking about something, We're talking about a domain of experience that is inherently subjective and hard to talk about and hard to pinpoint. And so what's really exciting to me is to try and combine these two streams of information, the subjective effects that people can tell us about. And at Leafly, they can tell us tell us that in very large numbers through reviews and other things. And And combine that with the objective data that comes to us on the science side, that comes to us about integrating with our lab partners and understanding the chemistry of the plant and these products and combining those two things in powerful new New ways to really understand and pinpoint what's going on and we're really just at day one of doing that i think you know i see cannabis the cannabis guide and what we did in october as day one for leafly and day one for this new era of cannabis um rather than you know something that's finished um we're still we still have so much to learn and so much to to build on that it's really it's almost like an exciting new era for for cannabis science and, and cannabis research
0: That's cool. So you mentioned that you collect some of this information, uh, I guess, anecdotal feedback from your customers or reviewers. Is there another site or section where you guys collect info from?
1: Yeah, the primary way that we connect feedback from consumers um, is through reviews um, in our strain database and for our products. And so just like any other website that you can think of in another industry, right? you can log on to Amazon and you can leave reviews for any product that you've purchased um, you can you can rate movies on Netflix. And just like that, you can log on to Leafly and you can go to a strain page or product page. You can write a review and you can rate that strain or rate that product. And Leafly has access to that data. And we can aggregate that and start to understand you know which strains are popular with which people. Um, how are people reporting the effects of a given strain? How much does that differ from person to person? Um, and so on and so forth. And that's super important because because of the subjective nature of the effects of cannabis, you, know, you and I could both consume the same product at the same dose at the same time and still have different effects because each of us has our own unique biology, our own unique endocannabinoid system that determines how we respond to cannabis products. So I think it's super important to combine the subjective and the objective when it, when it comes to trying to understand cannabis completely. So the subjective side is what people say about how they specifically felt when they consumed a product or they tried a product. And the objective is the data about the chemistry of that product, about all of the other stuff that we can really measure and and pinpoint precisely. And I think it's going to take both of those two things to really, truly create an experience where we can make the most precise and most informative and most trustworthy recommendations to consumers.
0: Yeah, I think... That kind of makes my head spin because, like you're saying, you're very right that uh, you and I can both be taking the same thing, same strain, and we can have different um, responses to it. Um, so, is the value in, let's say, the the reviews in like the the top of the bell curve where most people? indicate that they had some sort of a reaction to uh, like how, or, or how do you reconcile those possible two or multiple extremes of how somebody responds to the same exact product?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and so I think of it from a few different angles. So the first angle to think of it through is just what we traditionally see on the internet, um, on any other major e-commerce platform or website that you might be familiar with. So if you think about, you know, something like Amazon where you're purchasing products, if you think about something like Netflix where you're, you know, consuming movies and television shows, each of the experiences there on each of those platforms is highly personalized, and what that means is that you know if I log into Netflix and you log into Netflix, we don't see the exact same thing. We actually see unique experiences that have been tuned to us as individuals based on what we've watched, based on what we've liked, based on the feedback we've given the platform about what worked best for us. So that way um, those companies can say, ah, well people like you like these movies. So if you like movies A, B, and C, they're going to look at all the other people that also like movies A, B, and C. They're going to see what other movies or TV shows they're watching, and they're going to say, ah, you should watch this other show next because there's a really good chance you're going to love it because other people that are similar to you in their movie or TV show tastes also like that. Ditto for Amazon. So, that's the first way we can start to think about this. You know, if someone logs onto Leafly, based on the reviews they've left and the ratings they've left for strains, for products, for dispensaries, we can do similar things. People who've rated strains similar to the way that you've rated them also like these strains or these products. Mm -hmm. But we actually have to keep going deeper than that because cannabis is so unique and so interesting in different ways because of the unique subjective effects that it has, right? This is a consumable product that has potent psychoactive effects. So it's very different from most of the other things that are out there in the world, um, you know, including movies and including other things that people are more familiar with. And so that's why we have to layer in new information, um, and that's, that's what we started to do with the cannabis guide. So that's working with labs to bring in the, the data points and the science of the chemistry of these products, um, learning more about how the different chemistries actually relate to the different reactions that people report when they leave reviews, tying reviews to um, specific products with verified chemical compositions. All of this stuff is actually going to make that first set of reviews um, even more precise. And I think there's even more to do after that. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting work being done, but understanding individual biological differences between people in terms of how they metabolize some of these compounds. Um, you might, you know, react to THC one way that's very different for me. You know, some people are very fast metabolizers metabolizers of THC. They metabolize it very quickly and they can tolerate a higher dose or they might need a higher dose to achieve one effect. I might be a very slow metabolizer, and more sensitive to something like THC and, and and tying all that information together is going to be super important to get very precise about the recommendations we give both to recreational consumers who might be looking for a particular psychoactive effect and to medical patients who might be looking for very specific symptoms that they want to relieve.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have a a good friend who with any THC product, he gets a very, um, I guess, unwelcome effect where somebody else might be taking it and they get sort of, you know, drowsy or maybe just like really relaxed. He, it's like, taking meth for him. <laughs> he just gets <laughs> so wound up. Uh, he, he, he's not much of a user, but you know, he always wonders like, you why is that happening to me? And so I think, you know, I can see in the future with the data that you guys are collecting, um, that will be really advantageous for somebody to go in there and have something that would indicate like, okay, well, you know, here are the types of things that might be more beneficial to you. Maybe stay away from these because here are the, the possible results that I can, that can give you.
1: Exactly. And just, just imagine how, better, how much better your friend's experience would have been if they were to get a more, a, a more trustworthy and precise recommendation right out of the gate. So most likely what happened is, you know, this person might be someone who's especially sensitive to THC, but guess what? The vast majority of cannabis products that are out there and that have been out there historically, are THC-dominant products. They have high THC levels, and they have very low levels, oftentimes, of other cannabinoids or other compounds. And that's super important, and that's probably something that most people don't understand yet. So someone like your friend who's new to cannabis, whether or not they already know that they're sensitive, is probably much better off, starting with a product that has lower THC levels, starting with a product that maybe also has some CBD or something like that, another cannabinoid that'll help mitigate um, some of the effects, something that's a little bit better for easing into the experience rather than just jumping into the deep end right away. And because that knowledge and that education it hasn't gotten out to most consumers yet, most consumers are really just taking the recommendation of their friend or the recommendation of a bud tender. And those, those recommendations are not always as well-informed as we would like them to be.
0: Yeah. So there is certainly value in what you guys are working on and uh, the information for the end consumer. Is there some value for someone like me in the extraction world or we we have a a retail shop as well? Is there any way that we could use information that you guys are gathering?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I think there's a lot of exciting ways you can use it. And as a lead into that, you know, I want to describe some of the things that we've seen and we've discovered at Leafly using the new cannabis guide. And so, you know, for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, the new cannabis guide simply refers to um, the new way that that Leafly has chosen to use science and to use laboratory data to think about, to organize, and to visualize cannabis strains and cannabis products based on their actual chemical composition. And so, if you log on to Leafly, whether that's the app or leafly.com, you can go to our strain database, for example. And you can look at two different strains. Let's just pick two popular strains to use as examples. Um, Blue Dream and Gelato. So those are two of the most popular, two of the most reviewed strains on Leafly. Each of them has thousands of customer reviews. Um, There's millions of people looking at these pages every month. And those strains are different in different ways. So both of them are THC dominant strains. So they're pretty typical in that sense, right? They're both going to get you high. They're both going to have psychoactive effects, but they're also different in other ways. So when you look at Blue Dream on Leafly, you see a different visualization than what you see on the gelato strain page. They both have different colors associated with them. And that's because even though they're both high THC cannabis strains, they both have a different terpene profile. And what that's going to mean is that they're going to smell different, they're going to taste different, and they might even feel different even though they're both high-THD strains. And that's because terpenes are this other class of really interesting chemical p- compounds that most people don't really know about yet. And they're dictating a lot of the sensory qualities of that cannabis, how it smells. When you pick up cannabis and you smell it, um, it has a really unique, really pleasant aroma for most people. And what, what a lot of people out there don't realize is that there's different types of cannabis from a chemical perspective. It's not all the same. So there's different chemistries out there they are going to have different smells, different tastes, and different effects. And something like Blue Dream has a different chemistry than something like Gelato. It has a different terpene profile. And you have to start to understand and you have to start to see that in order... to to figure out what the best type of cannabis is for you. It's not one size fits all. Not every cannabis strain, not every cannabis product is the same. Some strains have high THC, some strains have high CBD, some strains have a little bit of both. Some strains have one terpene profile, some strains have a different terpene profile. And part of our goal at Leafly, from a data science perspective, is to figure out how to match the right person to the right type of product based on that person's feedback And that product's unique chemistry.
0: And what about for someone that is consuming just hemp? Is there the same value of being able to go to your website and finding out that type of information? Or is there a different use for a hemp user?
1: No, I think there is. I think there is a similar use even for hemp. Um, So hemp, hemp, hemp really refers to CBD dominant cannabis flower. So, you know, if you're growing a cannabis plant, um, you know, it's all cannabis. Um, it's all technically part of the same biological family, but we often think about it at Leafly in three broad buckets. Um, and in the industry, you often think about it in just two broad buckets, hemp versus versus you know high-THC cannabis. But I think the best way to think about cannabis flower, the cannabis plant, um, to start is in three broad buckets. You've got CBD-dominant flower, like hemp, and those are strains, those are cannabis flowers that contain high levels of CBD and little to no THC. So they're not gonna have strong intoxicating effects, they're not gonna get you high, and that's because CBD is non-intoxicating, although it is technically psychoactive because it can affect your mood, but it's non-intoxicating, so hemp will not get you high. Now, the opposite side of the spectrum, you've got THC dominant flower. That's your typical cannabis that you would naturally think about. It's got high levels of THC and very little CBD. So it is going to have strong psychoactive and intoxicating effects. It will get you high. Very different than a hemp product with high levels of CBD. And then you've actually got strains that are in the middle that we often call balanced THC CBD strains. They tend to have something like a one-to-one or a two-to-one ratio of THC and CBD. So they're in between. They are going to have psychoactive effects. They are going to get you high, but it's going to be very different from a THC-dominant product in terms of its psychoactive effects. And unlike a CBD-dominant product, it will have a noticeable effect on you, um, whereas a CBD product that's that's pure CBD will not. So let's talk about the hemp products for a moment. Even though a hemp product is by definition CBD-dominant and it has very high CBD levels compared to THC levels, There are still differences from one hemp strain or one hemp cultivar, depending on the terminology you like, um, from plant to plant. So the exact levels of CBD can vary. Right, One strain might have 10% by weight. One strain might have 20% by weight. Um, It can vary in terms of its terpene profile. You know, one strain might have high levels of one set of terpenes. Another strain might have a different set of terpenes present. That's going to affect its taste, its aroma, and it might also affect the effects it has on you um, through something uh, known as the entourage effect, which is thought to happen. And it could also have um, minor cannabinoids present um, beyond just CBD or THC. And that's something that we can talk about as well. So hemp can be different from one strain to the other, although it is not as chemically diverse as the THC dominant strains that you see out there, because people haven't spent as much time historically breeding the same level of diversity into those, those hemp strains. Although I think you're going to start seeing that more and more, so it will actually become more important to understand that as we go on over time.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I've certainly have taken an interest in terpenes lately and we're just doing a lot of experimentation here with our team and trying stuff out. Um, and it, some of the results have been really amazing, which have just completely blown me away. Uh, cause I'm such a skeptic, you know, and maybe it's not a great business to be in being a skeptic. Um, but, uh, I think it helps adds to a good balance to a lot of the, the sort of, fake information, uh, that's out there by some people are in our industry. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. I actually think yeah, it's, like, I think it's, uh,
1: I think it's a great thing to be a skeptic in this industry because I think if you're skeptical, if you're appropriately skeptical, um, and you pay attention and you let, you let the data and the science lead the way and you lead that inform your product development, you let that inform the marketing of your products rather than being led by the hype and the marketing, yeah. And, and all of the, all the things we might want to be true, even though the data is not there to support them, I think, you know, that helps build a more robust business in the long run. Because, you know, even though, even though it's going to take more time and take more effort to really, truly understand what's going on, it's going to allow you to cut through the, the noise and really see and really start to understand what's going on. And I think that's ultimately going to make better products for consumers, and it's ultimately going to make um, better forms of technology uh, that everyone can use.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Now, uh, just thinking, being a little selfish here, so with um, just thinking about future products for for our clients and for the end user, is there a way that... um, We can look at some sort of a database, and whether that's your website or maybe one of your research partners, um, that can give us some indication as to a certain type of strain or or combination of cannabinoids and terpenes that might help with X. Like, is there some sort of database like that looking at the combination of things? Because some of the research that most of the research that I see now is that well, CBGA can might help with this or sorry, like CBG might help with this, but the combination of different things and then certain ratios, um, I'm not finding a lot of that information.
1: Yes. Um, that's a great question. So the best place to start right now with Leafly is to read a lot of our educational articles and to explore the strain database itself. And the first thing that you're going to start to notice are what the major differences between some of the strains are, right? So you've got your high THC strains, you've got your high CBD strains. On Leafly, high THC strains are symbolized with diamonds. So they have a pointy shape to them and high CBD strains are symbolized with circles. So they look very different right out of the gate. The other thing you'll start to notice is a lot of the Other minor cannabinoids are not very common in most strains and most products today, although that probably is going to change. So for example, it's very rare to see a strain with more than 1% um, total CBG levels. CBG is this minor cannabinoid that we still don't know that much about that's very interesting. But you can find examples of strains that do have some CBG in there um, most of the time. Um, So an example of that would be something like Dutch Treat or Super Lemon Haze. Those strains will often have CBG levels above 1%. So, that's the first thing to notice. It's just to get a lay of the land. What are the major types of strains that are out there? What's common today? And start to read about what we know and what we don't know about these strains. Over time, what you're going to start to see is new types of strains and new types of products with new types of chemistries, are going to be emerging. And I think they're going to start to emerge even faster as we continue to see new product innovation in the space. So there's a lot of interest right now on CBD, right? Three or four years ago, um, very few people knew what CBD was, and now CBD is everywhere. And Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of unknowns about CBD. We're learning more and more every day, but we've still got a long way to go. And now you're just starting to hear about other minor cannabinoids, like CBG, or THCV. And again, there's a lot we still don't know there. And I think it's really important. And part of our job at Leafly is to make it clear, what do we know? And what do we not know? Because we're just at the beginning of this golden age of understanding this plant and really figuring out how all these things work in combination. And that's really exciting. And it also means we have to be careful to make sure that that the facts um, and the science uh, do not get, we don't get too far ahead of ourselves because there's still a lot more that we don't know compared to what we do know. And, and there's a balance you need to strike there. And that's really difficult if, you know, you go onto the internet and you read all sorts of sensational claims about some of these things that just aren't backed up by real science.
0: Yeah. I think I saw recently that the FDA was, uh, heading up a few companies for claiming that, um, CBD could kill coronavirus or something like that. Um yeah, that's, that's total, total BS. <laughs> uh just a, amazing how some people will just take advantage of people at the, the most opportune times for them. You know, now the best times for somebody that is susceptible to that. Uh it's just terrible.
1: Yeah, and that's yeah. you know, that's that's something that's super important for Leafly in particular. So, you know, our you know, our everything that we do centers around being a trusted consumer information resource. So that's why we we take very very careful steps to be as accurate as we possibly can so our editorial team our news team has editorial independence and and they operate with that independence so that we can bring them you know breaking news and new information in in the most objective and the most rigorous way possible so we've got really talented journalists at Leafly that are constantly breaking news and constantly trying to fact check what's out there and bring that to people as quickly as possible because there is there is a lot of bogus stuff um, that goes out there onto the internet, as, as we all know. Um, mm-hmm. That's why we're working with labs and, and we're bringing new forms of verifiable information into Leafly so that we can bring new types of information and build new tools for consumers that are actually verified. And we actually take the time at Leafly to um, select our partners very carefully. So in terms of all of the new lab data that's feeding the cannabis guide, um, we, we selectively work only with labs that are willing to share anonymized data and and let our data science team look at that and make sure there's no clear evidence of systematic bias because that's also something that you see out there. You see a lot of um, a lot of producers and a lot of labs are are biased in terms of the numbers they produce um, because they're trying to. You know, they're trying to feed feed the sales machine. Right? They're trying to produce things that have you know, the highest number possible, even though it's not accurate. They're trying to, to move things, even if it goes beyond what the science and what the data actually says. And so we try to be very, very careful about that at Leafly so that we can have at least one place where a consumer can go and trust they're actually getting the most accurate information possible.
0: Uh so I know we have to wrap up here in a few minutes. Um are, are how up to date are you on cannabis patenting? Uh so I see some things that are happening that are interesting and then you know could be a little bit scary depending on some of the outcomes.
1: Yeah, so what do you uh, what do you see?
0: Well I, I think uh there was a story that came out I think it was at the end of last year possibly where um it was Charlotte's Web was poss- or uh, had patented a CBD strain that was uh, really high CBD and almost no THC whatsoever something like 21% CBD and uh maybe like 0.01 THC or something really really low um yeah. And I think there were a couple of other companies that have been working on that. And it sounds really interesting, I think, for, for uh, a business, uh, you know, good for them. I think for the, the rest of the industry, that could be really interesting because there's so many uh, mixed strains. So where does that line end that if you grow something uh, that you know, was a, a child of uh, the, that mother plant uh, and then combined with something else, can you not use that? Um, you know, I, that, those are things that I don't know that I, I just wonder what the repercussions could be for the industry.
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting area to watch. And, and I do think, you know, there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening there. Um, and depending on your perspective, that can sound exciting or that can sound scary. Um, and it's mm. probably a little bit of both. So on the one hand, right, we're talking about when we're talking about canvas products, we're talking about strains, we're talking about plants, right? We're talking about specific types of plants that have specific properties when grown under particular conditions. So I think, that we're going to start hearing more about verified genetics, you know, people keeping very close track of what the DNA, the literal genetics of the plants they're growing actually are. Um, There's definitely companies working on stuff like that. I think we're going to start hearing more about how that relates to the chemistry of the plant, you know, the CBD and THC ratios, the terpene profiles, all of that stuff, and how the growing conditions that specific growers have, to grow and to produce their products relate to those things, and you are already starting to see people try and patent um, different types of plants, different types of cultivars based on those things. So people are, are trying to patent strains based on very broad, um, you know, cannabinoid and terpene profiles, and and the fear there is that you're going to have you know big, you know big agriculture or big business come in and try and and, and make very broad, very sweeping patents that are going to allow them to take ownership of things that other people have been growing for years. And, and there's been a lot of controversy on that, um, so far in the industry. And so, you know, I think it's, it's very, it's a very important area to keep an eye on. Um, so I think, you know, keeping track of genetics, keeping track of plant chemistry, um, keeping track of growing conditions, how those things relate is going to be very important to businesses moving forward, including to protect themselves from people trying to to patent things that they have already created or or that that they have already been growing. Um, so I think that's gonna be super important to make sure everyone stays on top of of their documentation and keeping track of um and keeping track of those things. And if you don't want mm-hmm. If people don't want, you know, someone to patent a strain or a broad family of, of cultivars that are out there, um, we have to make that information public. So if someone tries to patent anything with a 20 to 1 CBD to THC ratio or higher that has, you know, a particular terpene profile, they're only going to be able to do that if they can prove – that there's no prior art, that there's no prior existence of something with that profile out there. And there's big organizations in the past that have tried to do that. And and I think it's something that we should be careful of as as a community on the can on the cannabis side. Um, uh, you know, to protect ourselves. You know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of I think small craft growers out there that have really unique strains with really unique chemistries and really interesting genetics, and we have to make sure that that we help those people try and protect what they have created, so that someone, you know, some some large corporate entity can't swoop in and and basically try and take that over. I I yeah. do think. I do think that 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 stuff will start to happen as the industry matures unfortunately and so it's going to be half half it has to be something that we we have open and very quick conversations about
0: yeah okay um so as we start wrapping up here you you, you clearly you're a smart individual you can go and uh, i can see it in into many different places or, or industries what keeps you coming back to cannabis and just to working on what you do daily
1: It's, it goes back to some of the things that, that I was saying earlier, it really is day one or hour one or minute one of the cannabis industry. And I know that sounds cliche, but, but it really is true. Um, the industry, you know, the industry is going through its normal ups and downs as any new industry does. It's only going to grow over time. It's going to get very massive. And, and I mean that in a number of different ways. I don't just mean that from a business perspective. Um, you're going to see lots of new product innovation over the coming years. People are going to go grow new strains and new chemo People are going to make brand new products with novel chemistries. Um, people like Leafly um, are really going to help bring that stuff to, the consumer, to consumer consciousness in a big way. We're going to learn so much from looking at the feedback we get from consumers, from looking at the chemistry in the lab data, from looking at the new products that get created, the new strains that come out, and how people are reacting to those. That's going to have all sorts of applications to you know making intelligent recommendations to consumers it 's going to have all sorts of discoveries coming on the medical side to, to really figure out and really start to understand precisely what are the chemical ratios that have bona fide medical effects there's just there 's so many areas of discovery that we are primed to to, to find ourselves in, that I do really think it's a golden era, not just for for companies that are looking to grow in the industry. It's a golden era for for research and for the development of new understanding, both on the recreational side and on the medicinal and technology side. We're going to see so much in- innovation that that it's just going to be truly mind boggling. So that's what, what that's what keeps me coming back. I'm a you know I'm a lifelong learner. You know I spent ten years working in a lab in academia. Um, that's just that's just the type of person I let I am. I love discovery. I love learning, learning new things. And there, I know that there will be, you know, an entire career ahead of me of, of new knowledge and new excitement in this industry.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's definitely a very exciting times to come. So, um, it, do you have any links for folks who may want to learn more about you or your work or your company that you want to share or, or for somebody that wants to connect with you, if you'd like to share that, what, uh, what can we leave people with?
1: Absolutely. So, um, I mean, the number one thing to do is just to go to Leafly. So, um, it's totally free to download, um, for, for anyone. So you can download the app on Android or iOS, or you can go to leafly.com. Um, Leafly.com has a lot of information. Um, It goes into more detail. Um, on a lot of the things that I was talking about. So I, w- I would break Leafly into a few major sections. First and foremost is the strain database. That's what we're known for. That's what Leafly started as. We've got thousands of strain pages. And we've we've just released the cannabis guide a few months ago. So there's all sorts of new information there for people who have used Leafly in the past, but maybe haven't checked it out recently. So you can see more about um, strains than you ever could before. You can start to learn about the chemistry. You can start to learn about the cannabinoids and all of these new things that we're learning more about every day, Um, there's the news section, um, the news and content section. So we've got all sorts of educational material about breaking news and what's going on in the cannabis world, um, broadly speaking, about strains, about products, about cannabis um, science, about health and wellness, and about all of those topics. And so there's a lot of good stuff there um, for people that want to learn more. I've written some articles myself on Leafly, um, so you can check those out. But there's a lot of great material written by our content team um, for, for almost any topic that you can think about with cannabis. And then also, Leafly is a place where you can discover products that are actually available nearby if you leave, live in a place where they're legal for purchase. So you can learn about cannabis, you can learn about strains, and we can help you figure out um, what strains might be around or what products might be around that you can go check out at your dispensary. And even in some places, uh, order online right at Leafly. So I would yeah. encourage people to do that and they could also check out my uh, social media. So at uh T R I K O M E S. And I try to, I try to post cool new stuff that Leafly is doing or, or new stuff in the cannabis research world whenever I can.
0: Yeah, I definitely encourage people to go check that out. Uh, you have some cool things that you uh, share, whether your writings or from other people that are uh, talking about really interesting things. So I will put those links in the show notes on our website and, um, So, uh, Nick, thank you so much. Uh, You gave me a headache with all the information that you got, that you put out here, really good information. Um, So thank you for sharing your knowledge and for what you're doing for this this cannabis industry.
1: Thank you, Jason. Um, I love talking with you, so I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Hey guys. And before you go, this is Jason from Spectrum Labs. Please be sure to visit us on the web at thespectrumlabs.com for any show notes and links discussed in the podcast. Also remember to click the subscribe button wherever you may be listening from. So you get notified when our next episode comes out and tune in next show and have a fantastic day.